as we continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. My pastor that trained me in ministry used to say, Dennis, it takes about 10 minutes to read the greatest sermon ever preached. So just don't preach long because the greatest sermon doesn't take long to read. So he, he, he was very practical. I'm so thankful for a, for a pastor that just told me what I needed to hear. I had the opportunity of training with him five years as his assistant. A lot of preachers don't have that privilege. And he'd tell me things like, you can preach past noon, but they're not going to listen past noon. <laughs> they're lining up at the restaurant. They're doing something else. But they're done listening at noon. You know, adults have tension spans as well. And so that's, that's not why I don't preach past noon. I'm just usually done talking after 40, 20, 30, 45 minutes. If I haven't said, I, then I'm not going to say it, you know. I've listened to preaching sometimes. I'm running a rabbit right now, but anyway. I've listened to preaching. I'm, talking, I'm saying, come on, land that baby. Land that baby. Come on, bring it home. But anyway, I'm still learning, praise God. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, take no, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for, the, for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, uh, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And Lord, we ask you to add your blessings to the reading and now the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you ever worry? <laughs> if you say no, then I, you need to be here in Sunday school when I talked about lying. <laughs> we all worry, don't we? It's the most common cause of unrest and lack of peace in our world. And I'm not talking about Christian world, in the world in general. Worry. And the human race hasn't changed since the day of Jesus. Matter of fact, the people that are listening to the Sermon on the Mount worried about the same things we do. That is, daily provisions. And and necessities of life. They worried about those things. The things that Jesus mentioned there are the things that we worry about as well. One source that did a study on worry came up with this conclusion. 40% of the things we worry about never happen. 30% of the things we worry about are in our past. 12% of the things we worry about have to do with a fear of criticism. And 10% of the worries deal with our health. 
I think last year, bigger than that dealt with our health. A lot of people were worrying about these things. The remaining 8% are the only real problems we have, and worry about them doesn't help. I thought that was a good, good thing. The word thought that's found in verse 25, 27, 28, 31, and 34 means anxious thought or full of care. Worry. Take no thought. Take no anxious thought. Don't worry about these things. It comes from two Greek words, which one is merizo, which means to divide, and the other one means a nuos, which means mind. So it literally means a divided mind. Take no thought, together, means to be pulled in different directions. That's what worry is. Worry will pull you in different directions. Now, it, it goes a little bit interesting. I love words and looking up words and, and these kind of things. Our English word worry comes from the German word vergen. Vergen means to strangle. So think about it. Worry will pull you in different thoughts, <laughs> maybe by your neck, strangles you. I mean, it just it, it brings disquietness and lack of peace, all of these things. And Jesus knew all about that. And he spent a lot of time talking about it. And remember now, he's continuing on. He was talking about treasures and money. And now he continues on with these things. You know, 18, I think I wrote it down here, eight, 16 out of 38 parables Jesus taught were about money. Jesus didn't mind talking about possessions and things like that because he knew that's what we needed to hear. So first of all, let's look at the cause of worry. Verse 25. Therefore, when you see a therefore, always look and see what it's there for. Okay? You get that? <laughs> and what you do is usually, when you see a therefore in the Scripture, you need to read the verse before it. Because he's saying something and he's saying, now, based on what I just said, therefore. So we look back at verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore... I say unto you. So, the cause of worry starts out with a lack of trust in our master. A lack of trust in the master. Jesus Christ, he says, you can't serve God and mammon. So, if God is your master, therefore, take no thought. for the thing. So, the cause of worry, basically, is lacking trust in the master. Because God's our master, and, and we've chosen Him as our only master, we've put, He's not God, mammon's not our master, things aren't our master, God's our master, therefore, we shouldn't worry about anything. Worry is sin. Say that with me. Worry is sin. Yeah, that was half-hearted, come on. Some of you got, got worry in your life, you don't want to admit it, right? Say it with me. Worry is sin. It's good that we call it that because it's probably the most popular and common sin among Christians. It really is. And I'm, I'm, man, I'm preaching to the choir this morning. There's no choir, but I'm preaching to the preacher this morning, right? Worry is sin, and it, it's, it's a huge sin because it's the opposite of trust and faith. It's been reported that a dense fog extensive enough to cover seven city blocks, a hundred feet deep, is composed of less than a glass of water 
divided into 60 million droplets. A glass of water. Now, in the right form, that means a few gallons of water could cripple a large city the size of Sacramento. A few gallons of water dispersed. So what does that have to do with worry? Well, in a similar way, the size of the things that we worry about are very insignificant compared to the damage it does. The damage that it does. Now notice some of the things that Jesus told, uh, addressed here. Food. Therefore, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat. We worry about food. And, you know, what, okay, so you don't worry about having it. I, I think every one of us probably have something or a little something. But we, we, we concern ourselves about food. What ye shall eat. What ye shall drink. Fashion. What ye shall uh, neither for your body, what ye shall put on. Also, verse 28, he says, And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. So food, fashion, fitness, and health, verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? A cubit was a, a measure about 18 inches from... They, they said that a, that a cubit was a from... The, the tip of the middle finger to the elbow on a grown man. So about 18 inches. So basically, you can't add to your stature by taking thought about it. You know, when I was, I think, junior high, I played basketball. I played all sports, but I played basketball. I wasn't very good at basketball. I was a little guy, and I wanted to be a forward or something, you know. And Man, I remember laying in bed trying to stretch myself. I remember laying in bed, I grabbed a hold of the back, you know, the headboard, and I, I would curl my toes around the footboard, and I, uh, then get up and measure myself. Same, didn't work. Didn't work. God says, why do you, but you know, most of us wouldn't do that, but what about health? Stature could also mean age. You know, we're health nuts in this country. Matter of fact, health, this is a God. It really is. That's very obvious this last year i mean when the pandemic broke out and people were just fearful then it just consumed them with fear and worry because of their health and i don't want to get sick and die either but what's god talking about here being consumed with this being worrisome being anxious thought food fashion fitness what about the future verse 34 therefore take no thought for tomorrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto that day is the evil thereof. Understand now, God is not talking here about caring for the things of the world. He knows we need to eat. And we, He knows we need to have clothes to wear. And He knows we need to make plans for the future. There's nothing wrong with doing that. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago when we talked about it's right to lay up for the future. It's right to lay up for our children. It's right to lay up for different things. So he's not talking about that. So what he's saying is the care that he's talking about consumes people. It's an obsession with these things. It's, it's worried to the point of you're, you're, you're not concerned. Concern, somebody says, moves you to action. Worry immobilizes you. And sometimes we, we spiritualize. We say, well, I'm not worrying. I'm just concerned about it. No, you're probably worrying about it. Concerned about it, then you'll do something productive about it. But worry immobilizes you. 
Somebody said, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> right? You just rock. You don't go anywhere. So worry, the cause of worry, lack of trust in the master. If Jesus is our master, we shouldn't worry. What's the cost of worry? Number two, the cost of worry. It is harmful, first of all, to you. You can worry yourself to death, but not to life. (laughs) Dr. Charles Mayo of the famous Mayo Clinic said, Worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. I've never met a man or woman to die of overwork, but I've met many who died of worry. Worrying does at least three things in your life. It buries blessings. It buries blessings. What's that mean? Well, it pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. And this is in the parable of the sower, but it's just one verse talks... It helps us. It says, verse 32, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and become unfruitful. The care of this world can keep God's word from taking root in your heart. And if God's word isn't taking root in your heart, then it's going to bury blessings. The cares of this world. What else does it do? Steal strength. And it produces problems. Job 3.25 For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid is come unto me. It's like a self-judgment Job was talking about. We talked about that verse a couple weeks ago in our Wednesday night. But Job was saying, the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. In other words, you think about it, you think about it, and you're consumed about it, and pretty much certainly it comes to pass. It's like you brought on self-judgment. You're consumed with this thing. It's harmful to you. Secondly, it's harmful to others. Nobody likes being around a worry wart. It rubs off. It, and, and think about this, too. Others watch how we live our lives. And other Christians watch how we live our lives. As we grow in Christ, we ought to be a blessing and, a, and an encouragement to others. And if they see us worrying about things all the time, they're going to think, Something's not right here. You, you say you love God and Jesus is the Lord of your life, yet you're, you're over here worried about everything. What's wrong with that picture? Well, he must not be the master. He must not be Lord. He owns everything. We have a Heavenly Father that can save our soul eternally. So it's inconsistent to worry about material things. Harmful to you, harmful to others, it's harmful to God. Or offensive, you could use the word offensive. I'm just using the word harmful there. But the latter part of verse 30, Jesus says, O ye of little faith. Obviously, he knew these guys really well, right? And, and I, for sure he knew human nature. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow's cast in the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Oh my, he personalizes it. O ye of little faith. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it's impossible to please God. Can you imagine the offense we cause the Lord when we fail to trust Him for the daily provisions of our lives? When He has saved our eternal soul, 
He has saved us. He's promised to keep us. He's promised to, to be with us forever. And we won't trust Him for our daily bread. We won't trust Him for our daily provisions. We don't trust Him for our, our life, our basic necessities of life, our things of life. You know, this thing really gripped me and Karen years and years ago about trusting Him with the size of our family. That's a pretty, very personal thing and a very, very and God, but God took us through a time of trust. And, and it was, are you going to trust me for your eternal soul, but you're not willing to trust me for how many kids I want you to have? I'll tell you what, Christians, we bought the world's bullet on that, man. I'm telling you. We go down and we just say, oh yeah, I'm just, you know, but think about it now. We've said, dear Lord, save me. And that's eternally. We ask Him to save us from eternal and give us eternal life. And we're trusting I don't sit around worrying about if I'm saved every day. I've trusted Him. He's got that. So why can't he, we trust Him with every area of our life? Every area of our life. For us, I'm just, I'm just being honest, that was a huge thing right there. And God really took us through some severe trials. And guess what? The Lord gave us three children. And we have peace that that's what He wanted us to have because... You know, we said, God, it's up to you. We're going to let you plan our family. And he gave us three children. And we praise him for it. The cure for worry. What is it? The cure for worry. Well, first of all, there's the father factor. He feeds the birds. Look at verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Now, God uses birds. He doesn't use squirrels right here. <laughs> squirrels, they do gather in. You know, I've always wondered, you know, incredible creatures that defy evolution. I love that. But squirrels, can, they can bury a nut out here in the field somewhere and next year go find it. Now, who told them where that nut was? How do you know it's the same squirrel? He didn't tell his buddy, that's where I buried my nut. You know, no, no, no. But he said birds here. They don't store up or anything like that. Matter of fact, I, I've watched birds build nests. You know, you can watch it on, on video. I, um, I saw a couple, like, swallows building out here. It may be, we may have a nest this year. I saw them. But anyway, I've seen that. And I've, but I've never seen them do this. You know, they're building their nest, and they're like, looking over at the other guy over there in the other tree. Look. wonder what his nest is going to look like this year. They don't do that. They don't compare one another with each other. They're just, they know that God is taking care of them. Fast forward a little bit to Matthew chapter 10. Verse 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. Wow. God says, you're value. Listen, God knows, and this is awesome, our God's awesome. He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. You know? You see a little dead bird laying on the ground? God saw that happen. 
you know. But he says, you're much more value than the sparrows. God's going to take, God knows how many hairs you've got on your head. You know, God knows everything about us. And he's concerned about those things. The father factor. He feeds the birds. He clothes the flowers. Verse 28. And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I was saying to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? He clothes the flowers. I mean, I could just go on and on about the beauty of flowers, the beauty of, of, of things, you know. God is interested in that, but yet this flower, like these ones here, right, these flowers are going to be here today and gone tomorrow. But God, and he says, even Solomon and all his array, that's more beautiful than that. Yet, he's more concerned about us. He sees the future, verse 34. Therefore take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought of things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He sees the future. Some people, they don't have anything to worry about in the present, so they worry about the future. (laughs) God knows what's going to happen in the future. You know, as I get older, I, you know, as we know, naturally, you think about the retirement years and what, what's up, you know, what's going to happen. You know what? God knows those things. I don't really want to retire. I want to retread, maybe not retire, but retread. Right? <laughs> God knows what's in the future. I really think he's coming back real soon myself. I think that we're living in the very end of the end, right? But he knows the future. Robert Louis Stevenson told a story about a young sailor who was on his first voyage and the ship encountered a storm. The young sailor panicked for fear and he made his way up to the, the uh, pilot section and he saw the captain there at the helm and the captain looked over and he knew the young sailor was fearing and he looked over and he smiled at the captain. And the young boy runs downstairs and he says, everything's going to be okay, I saw the captain and he's still smiling. I'm going to tell you something, God's still smiling this morning, okay? God's still sovereign. He's still on the throne. We don't have to worry. Listen, he says in verse 32, For all these, after all these things, do the Gentiles seek. Now, he's not talking about Gentiles as a people group there. He's talking about Gentiles as in lost people there. So in other words, when, when we think like this and worry about those things, we are acting like we're not saved. We're acting like we don't belong to the Lord. He is in control of all these things. He's in control of material things. And when we worry about the basic things of life, it's like we're not even saved. So there's the father factor. And then there's the focus factor. Verse 33. And I think really this is the whole key to the, to the passage. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a real uh, key verse, because I believe it's the key to the cure of worry. Worry causes us to lose focus and forget our priorities. We are to seek Him first and His righteousness. What What does it mean, seek the kingdom of God first? Well, 
I've talked about this previously when we were in chapter 5, but the kingdom of God, future, is when Jesus Christ sets up His kingdom on this earth for 1,000 years. And Jesus will rule, and Jesus will reign, and we will see, and we will rule and reign with Him, we that are saved. He's going to rule from Jerusalem, we're going to rule and reign with Him. It's 1,000 years where Jesus is King. Everything functions right. I'm telling you, as we see the corruption of our government and the corruption of worldwide government, I think it's just, it's just preparing us so much more that when Jesus rules and reigns, we're going to say, wow, that's the way it's supposed to be. And it will be for 1,000 years. So, if we're to seek that in our daily life, I think what that means is we are to seek His rulership, which He'll be ruling 1,000 years in the future. But we're to seek His rulership right now, every single day of our life. We're to seek His rulership every single day of our lives. When we do, it means we're maintaining the position of His Lordship in our lives. When we do, we won't worry about these things. Or when these things come, we'll commit them to Him. Lord, I need food. Lord, I need clothing. Lord, I need a new car. Lord, I need a job. Lord, I need just, you know, He mentions food and all these things, but I think what the Lord is trying to get across Everything. Just, just whatever you're concerned about, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. When Jesus is Lord in my life, moment by moment, that's my focus. All these things will be added. You know, back in medieval days, that kings would have certain residences across their dominion domain and they would they would travel and their entourage would travel with them but but maybe they had a a a residence in this in this town and they would set up residence and the 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 people of the town would know that the king is there because the king's flag would be flying queen does that now you know when the queen's in town because the queen is in the flag is flying in Balmoral or wherever she's at, Windsor, wherever she's at, okay? I wonder what flag is flying over our heart. If Jesus is is in charge, His flag will be flying. And all these things will be added. We're not going to worry about these things. But I fear that, that we say Jesus is Lord oftentimes, but our flag is flying. We're in control. And when we're in control, we're going to worry. We're going to worry, we're going to be concerned, we're going to, whatever you want to call it, we're going to be ate up with these things. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Man, I've used this verse a lot of times down at the mission. You know, preaching, and guys come forward, and they'll say, Pastor, will you pray for me, because I need a job, I need to get out, on back. I'm, I'm on the streets, I need to get home, and all these kind of things, and I'll say, yeah, man. I'll pray for you, but let me show you this verse right here. And I show them the verse, and I say, you need to first seek the kingdom of God. What does that mean to a, to a person? Well, number one, it means to be saved. It means, listen, if you're, if you're not saved, you need to be worrying about some things. Number one, you need to be worrying. If you die, you'll go straight to hell, and you'll be there forever. If you're not saved, you have a legitimate fear that ought to move you to do something. And that is to be saved. I, I really wasn't surprised when all these people got all nervous about dying because 
If I wasn't saved, I'd be scared to die too. What bothered me about the whole thing was Christians getting ate up with fear about the pandemic. Just being honest. But the truth is, we saw ourselves say, look, okay, so are you saying, and I've been able to lead people to Christ by showing them that, okay, look, you need all these things. God knows that. But first of all, you need to seek first the kingdom of God. If you're not saved, that means you need to get saved. And today, listen, you're here today and you're not saved. You need to get saved. That's number one priority. The Lord Jesus died for you. He shed His blood so that you could be saved. He rose again. He made the way possible for you to be saved. You just need to call upon Him and change flags. Right? Put the Lordship flag of His life in you. And then, then I'll tell them, I'll say, okay, now, so I'm, okay, so I'm saved. So what now? Well, you need to seek God first. Is God ruling in your life? Who's ruling in your life? Who's in charge of your life? Seek ye first. That is the focus factor. I think sometimes we lose focus. We lose priorities. Then lastly, there's the future factor. There again, verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. The future is in the Lord's hands. Again, he's not talking about making reasonable provisions for the future, but don't concern yourself with those things so much that it causes you to worry about them. Jesus said, tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. You know what? God's grace is going to be there tomorrow like it is today. And whatever happens tomorrow, God's grace is going to be there for us. Jesus spent more time on this section, on these things, than He did any other. Because He doesn't want us to worry. He wants us to trust Him. And when we're trusting Him, it's a testimony to this lost and dying world that there is a God and He's, he's involved in my life. He's, he's totally involved in my life. Think about the song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Look at the bottom of your bulletin there if you're taking notes there. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Because I believe Paul gives us his word on this same subject. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And I think it, it really helps us to have a, a kind of a plan of attack, a remedy. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing. That's the same exact wording... In the Greek, that means don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Be careful, careful thought for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That keep means to set a guard. So, this is how I translate that right there. Just I came up with this. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And the way we don't worry is to pray. He says, be careful for nothing, comma, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So how I apply this to my life, because I have a ten, tendency to worry. I say, God, I, something comes into my mind and it, it starts consuming me. And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't want to worry about it. I want to pray about it. And you know why I pray about it? and I commit it to God, what happens? He, he sends out His army to guard His peace, the peace army, verse 7. 
will keep set a garrison around my heart and my mind. And I may have to pray about it many times through the day. It may, it may prop, back, prop back up, you know, come back up, and I'm like, Lord, I've already committed that to you. I'm going to commit that to you again. Careful for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, Lord, I'm thanking you for providing. I'm thanking you for taking care of that. I don't want to worry. You don't want me to worry about it, Lord, so I'm just giving it to you. And, and you know, you might have to do it over and over again, but I believe this is, the, this is his remedy. His, you might say, commentary on Matthew's word, on, on Jesus' word in Matthew chapter 6. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for this very, very practical word from you. And I thank you that you, you, you've got it under control, Lord. I thank you that you're sovereign. You're in control of my life and every life here. Lord, if there's one here that does not know for sure that they're saved, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they're saved. That they would not put that off any longer, but today they'd trust you as their Lord and Savior. God, have your will and way in every life, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed today. Brother Rick's going to sing. If you need to come and pray, feel free to come. If God's spoken to your heart in any way, just maybe have a burden on your heart you want to pray about. Come. Let God have His way in your life.